Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here. Not going to make a lot of promises. I'll only make you one. I'm going to try to bring the podcast back, and it depends on you. It takes two to tangle. So if you listen to this and you enjoy this, please get back to me and let me know. And by the way, if you're a Club 1313 member and you signed up over at club1313.com, you can log in and you can see the behind the scenes recording of today's episode. And I'll just keep it at that. If you want to see the behind the scenes over on YouTube, how these are recorded, it's there for you. Let's jump in because I don't want to make a bunch of promises and I don't want to say where I've been. I just want to jump into the fun part and make the podcast happen. So I thought it would be interesting if I'm going to get back into doing the podcasting to sort of catch you up with where I think Disneyland has been at for this year, 2023. Like where do I see everything at Disneyland so far this year? So it's a little catch me up episode. When I look back at the beginning of this year, every year when Disneyland kicks off a new year, there's an excitement in the air, right? There's a fun that's there where it's a a new year, new adventures. And it, it also opens up a calendar for a lot of people, unlike myself, to where this is the year that they were planning to come out to the park. Everybody can't go once a week. I realize I'm incredibly privileged to be able to do that. But every calendar year opens up a new vacation year, a new destination year for other people. And I try not to let that ever sort of escape me. And and my love of going out to Walt Disney World has been great because it's really taught me how to appreciate people that don't get to consume Disneyland the way that I do because their love of Disneyland or their relationship with Disneyland is probably very similar to my love and relationship with Walt Disney World. But we started this year with kind of a lot of optimism in the air because we ended last year with Bob Chapek drastically stepping down, actually getting fired in November, and Bob Iger was back. So I believe with a lot of fans, the year started off with a lot of optimism. What would we see that would change? How would it feel different with, as I've been celebrating, somebody who has a creative mindset first? In my opinion, Bob Chapek was somebody who ran the company playing for the quarter. He was a spreadsheet guy. He was a money guy. And his way of making money was saving money, which don't get me wrong. That is a great way to make money and to sometimes make shareholders happy. But Bob Iger is the type of guy that does it the other way. He's a guy that believes in spending money to make money. So ideology is already different with this new leadership. I think that most fans like myself love the spend money approach because after all, we spend a lot of money with this company and we want to see that investment come back to us. So to say that there was an optimism in the air for most theme park fans, most Disney fans, I think it's kind of underestimating it. I felt like a lot of people were feeling like 2020's BS was finally, finally in the rearview mirror. People are coming back together. A lot of that post-pandemic travel boom had already sort of dissipated. So it wasn't like everybody was always there. It was just starting to feel normal. And we didn't know that 2019 was the best of times when we were living them. But so far since 2019, I don't think a year has quite replicated the magic of that time. But going back to 2019 leadership, in my mind, meant that maybe there was a chance that this new year could get us to where we want to go, to a Disneyland, 
that didn't feel odd and post-pandemic and nearly apocalyptic. I've had a lot of crazy moments the last couple of years in the park, sitting on a bench where I was literally the only guest that I could see, celebrating a sad birthday, seeing things like you could buy a sipper, but nothing to sip through it. You could buy the popcorn bucket, but oh no, California won't let us sell you the popcorn. Like it has been a wild couple of years. So I started off this year hoping it would feel like 2019. And let's go with this journey and I'll tell you how that feeling has either let me down or guided me in the right direction. Friends, welcome back to Disneyland for Designers, episode 94. I'm your host, Mark Bricky, available over on YouTube at Hey Bricky and Bricky Talks Disney. Thank you so much for showing up. And if you want to support the podcast, join me over at club1313.com and become a sponsor so I can continue to do these for each and every one of you. And don't forget to log in to see how this podcast was recorded. With all that, let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode is made possible, my friends, over on YouTube to watch me live. Thank you so much to JT Kell, Jesse Adventure, my friend Federalist, Chris Murray, along with AS and TM, Carrie Robinson, Rich O, and my man JT Kell, a second time? How did you get in there twice? Thank you so much for supporting today's episode of Disneyland for Designers. I appreciate all the support and I appreciate you for showing up and listening. Don't forget to get bonus content. Become a member of Club 1313 at club1313.com where you can watch how today's episode was recorded. Look, it's Disneyland. So the new year started with a lot of things right out of the gate. Like if you were starting this year with optimism, your optimism was going to be met with the Disney 100 deciding that they were going to start this at Disneyland, which makes sense because Disneyland is the park that's closest to Burbank, closest to, you know, the greater LA area, that sort of Northeast part of LA where Walt and Roy did all of their magic. So bringing the 100 here was perfect, but it was also odd because in a way there's this phrase that I use that I got from my friend, Dan Stiles and phenomenal artist and an Adobe Max, like, you know, premier speaker. One time we were having a blast out doing an art show, I believe in Portland. And drunkenly late in the night, he said, I've been having so much fun the last two days. I feel like I'm borrowing fun from the future. And Disney 100 hitting the Disneyland Resort at the beginning of the year, I was cautious Are we borrowing fun from the future? Because historically, January, February, not until March, when people start to do spring break, that's always been sort of the regroup, recap, get it all back together season at the Disneyland Resort. And as a local, I kind of have always enjoyed those being the more quieter months. It's a little chilly. The sun goes down early. And there's almost like a a fun when you see the vacationers coming back because you know that spring is in the air. Living in a place where our weather stays so consistent, I've come to realize that I use Disneyland as sort of a a guide to where the rest of the world is at seasonally. So starting off with Disney 100 in January, it felt odd, but 
Who knows? It's new leadership, new year. Where could it go? And with Disney 100, we not only got a new fireworks show that happened to be absolutely phenomenal. We not only got a new World of Color show, which I don't think is the best story that's ever been told with the World of Color apparatus, but I do think it's the best projection show. It seems like this time around, the Imagineers and the storytellers finally figured out how to perfectly craft all the equipment for storytelling, even though the story that was being told wasn't exactly my favorite. I, I have a problem where so many of the Disney evening shows feel like I'm watching highlight reels of movie trailers. They often forget the parks, which is odd to me because you've got a family or an individual or a couple that have spent hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars to be in the park that day, celebrating the park, but yet they remind you of all the movies that they've made and the parks are often forgotten. And don't forget, I'm a Disney parks guy, but I did appreciate that it was the best use of the world of color technology. And let's not forget, we also got a new land. We knew that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was coming out to Disneyland, but it was a curveball when Smooth JD announced that they would be redoing Toontown. That added even more excitement that, look at this, we're starting off the year with a bang. New nighttime shows, new land. Now the new land would have to be rolled out in stages, but Disney loves doing drops of new attractions with dates. For example, Moana's Journey with Water hydration station, that could have been open months ago, but they wanted to hold it for October 16th. And we'll get back to that date in a minute. But they wanted to make sure that they dropped Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway on the opening day of the Disney 100 because they love tying things together. And so here we have all of these new things showing up and another anniversary. And you know, Disney really loves to celebrate their anniversaries. But I'm going to push back on that a little bit because they've started to have so many anniversaries that align. Disneyland celebrates itself every five years. Magic Kingdom sort of threads the needle between those five. Now throwing in Disney 100, it kind of feels like we just go from milestone to milestone. But where I want to push back is what do we actually do for these anniversaries other than make a bunch of merch? Sure, get in a new land, get in a new attraction, get in new nighttime shows. That stuff costs money. And, and I'm not downplaying that. But that's also reinvestments in the park that they were already planning to do. And they just align it up with these anniversaries to give it justification, to give it just cause. And everybody knows when you're working for yourself, you got to put a date in the calendar. You got to have a deadline to get things done. So I don't necessarily think that they go, oh, we have to make something for Disney 100. They just go, these are some things we need to do. Let's push them over here and let's align it for the celebration. So we have all these things showing up, but my question is, what did they actually do for Disney 100? I know when I went out to Walt Disney World for Magic Kingdom 50, Walt Disney World 50, however you want to do it. I mean, it was the opening of Magic Kingdom, it was also the opening of, you know, what did they used to call it? Uh, the, the greatest vacation destination on the world or something like that. It rolls way better. 
But when I actually went there on that day, October 1st, they, they, they didn't really acknowledge it. In the Disney 100 kickoff, they didn't really acknowledge it. And I guess you're asking, well, what do you, you want them to do? I want them to create a fan moment. For Epcot 40, they did do this. They did a small presentation over in front of the uh, America Pavilion and the World Showcase. They did a small presentation, played some clips of Walt, had some choir singers. The president of the park spoke. You just felt like it was acknowledged. And all I wanted for Disney 100 was just to see JD or Bob or Kenny P. Rocks just show up with one of those sick poems. That's all I wanted. I just want somebody to acknowledge it for the fans because we love it. And we love it more than buying it on a spirit jersey. We love it more than a trinket to put on a shelf or a popcorn bucket that already exists with a variant colorway. We want to celebrate. We are a community, not a commerce cow. And I feel like constantly it's like, give them stuff to buy, give them stuff to buy. Missing out that Disney park fans love seeing other Disney park fans have a great time and celebrate. So I don't want to sound ungrateful for all the things that they gave us because I'm appreciative of it. I also put a lot of money into the company so those new things show up. What I'm asking for doesn't cost money. Riddle me this, Batman. If I were to tell you, give me a budget right now for on Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary just to have somebody walk out on a stage in front of Cinderella Castle and sing happy birthday. Do you know if all those fans that went out of their way to book flights, book hotels, travel to Florida, get theme park reservations because those are fun, show up at 5 a.m. to get through the gate at 6 to be in front of the castle right at the drop of 7 or 8 a.m. What would it have cost to sing happy birthday to one of the world's greatest vacation destinations where people have been creating amazing memories for 50 years? What would it cost to sing happy birthday? May seem lame to you. Oh, you just want to sing happy birthday? But I dare you. I dare you to stand in that audience with all those passionate fans that love this brand, love their memories, old, new, and the ones they're having that day. And to not see those people celebrate and come together, smiling, singing, all together for the commonality that they love this place. New lands, new attractions, new shows. They're awesome. I appreciate them. But I often feel Disney forgets that there is a community behind the parks. And another anniversary to me just feels like another way for them to sell the same merchandise over and over again. But you have to have this spirit jersey because it's silver and purple. Two colors that don't complement each other whatsoever. Getting back to my idea of are we borrowing fun from the future by doing Disney 100 at the beginning of the year? One of the rituals of Disneyland that I love, and they can't do it anymore because the parks have become too popular. And the last one they did was a little uh, terrifying, but they used to do the 24 hour party on the Friday of Memorial day weekend, which celebrates and kicks off the summer season here in America. And I know somebody somewhere was like, well, summer doesn't actually start until June 17th. Okay. Okay. Whatever. I go with summer runs from Memorial day 
to Labor Day, sue me. Sue me with your calendar. I'm a Hallmark guy. I follow the holidays according to when we party and celebrate and come together as a nation, as a people. But this year, obviously they're not going to do the 24-hour party. But there's normally a theme. And sometimes they're not good. Remember Summer of Heroes? It was, it was a little, little thin. There was the Pixar year. There was the 65th, the Diamond Celebration. Obviously, we're not going to do that. But with the theme of the park showing up in January, I kept referring to this summer as a summer without a theme. And when that Friday came, kicking off Memorial Day weekend, it just felt like any other weekend at Disneyland, any other Friday. And the bunting all stayed the very flat, silver, and purple. The red, white, and blue didn't show up. It just felt like it wasn't summer at Disneyland, even though it felt like it was summer at Disneyland. But this is combined with a company that we're seeing that's in crisis. A lot of the cause and effect of 2020, like many of us, starting to catch up with Disneyland. You can only borrow so much fun from your future, and you can only borrow so many opportunities and equity from your future until it starts to come after you. And many theme park fans such as myself start to worry about how Disney runs its books. You know, movies take a lot of money to make, and some of them make a lot of money back, and some of them kind of don't. It's a real gamble when you're making a film. TV's in the toilet because streaming is where it's at, but their streaming service is kind of in the toilet because they're not creating content fast enough to keep up with the needs of their consumer. They keep raising the rates, even though the quality isn't going up. And it almost feels like streaming might be a little bit more than what that particular company can handle at this time. So historically, what we've seen is the theme parks make money every day. A movie has a cycle of spin, 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 big dump of money, and then you hope that the money keeps coming in. But the theme park is just money, money, money every single day. From what I've come to learn, from somebody who studies this company, there's a lot of times the theme parks, like many of us with our businesses, that constant earner you have, maybe that utility client you have, they're maybe not your favorite client, but they pay you thousands of dollars every month. And sometimes you cut corners with them because you're used to them and you've got dreams of bigger and better projects, fun, more flashy things to do with your talents. So you put your energy and efforts elsewhere while that utility client just keeps paying, just keeps bringing in the money. And friends, for the Disney Corporation, I feel like for a long time, we have been that utility client. The spenders that just keep spending at the park for money that trickles into all these other projects that are maybe arms of the company that we don't care about. So for me, I see a company fighting with the state of Florida. I think that's probably pretty just but we see them fighting with the government on one side of the country, fighting in the boardroom, fighting for their shareholders, fighting for profitability, just kind of a mess all over the place, just struggling in every single direction. Which is interesting because we started out the year with so much optimism and one has to wonder, is this Bob Iger trying to fix all the damage that came from Chapek? Is this Bob Iger's 
problems that he's creating, it gets into a really interesting thing where if you know, whatever president is in the office, they always say things are going well because of me, but everything that's going bad, that's because of the last guy. And because four years in the art of steering a big ship or a big company, Chapik was only in there for, I think, two years. Two years, you make a lot of decisions, but you don't really see the effects of those decisions for a while down the road. Four years to guide a country isn't a lot of time because you spend one of those years campaigning, but it takes a while for people to see the effects of those years of leadership. So it's always kind of confusing. Is it really this guy? Is it really the last guy? But I felt like this summer was the first time that I ever started to lose consumer confidence in Disney. And it wasn't because of stock prices and headlines and all this stuff. It also started to become build quality. I don't know if they cut corners to get Toontown open because somebody put a date and a calendar somewhere. I don't know if Toontown was ruined because of bad weather, but I'll give them a pass. I'll give them mulligan on Toontown here at Disneyland opening up, but not being perfect because they've had to keep going back and adjusting this, adjusting that. They got a lot wrong the first time, a lot wrong. It's in constant influx and some things have never opened up yet. There's a lot of tinkering going on. And when we look at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, say what you will about it, it came out of the gate, perfect. Like maybe there's not the things there you want, but what they did build, the land has been perfect. It has required near to no maintenance since it opened, perfection out of the gate. But Toontown, that one is a troublesome land, but maybe it's because it was raining when they were trying to build it and California doesn't understand how to deal with rain. Then San Francisco opened and the build quality looked a little lackluster again. When I looked at how they put together the bridge and it's ironic that somehow DCA is back to having a San Francisco style bridge inside of the park again. But when you look at the build style of it, just looked sloppy. And even though I like San Francisco, I do believe that that is a big improvement. There's IP in the land now, which is bringing people in, bringing excitement in. You know, it's a kind of a crappy design to just throw a food court in your theme park. Like riddle me this, Batman, where is the food court in Disneyland? Doesn't have, because Disneyland's not designed that way. Disneyland is perfect. But if you're gonna throw a food court in your park, San Francisco is a really, really good workaround to get it done. But if you look around at it, the build quality is a little shoddy. So when I go back and do the monkey math, company in crisis, feeling the, uh, feeling the financial pressure, and the last two projects that opened up in this year have been faulty. It makes me wonder, is it the guy we have now scaling back to get out of trouble as quick as possible? Or are these budgets that were put together from the previous guy? Because these are projects were announced under Bobby Chapstick's leadership. So, you know, did they need a million more to do Toontown, but he scaled it back and this is what you get when you go back a million? 
it has me very worried about this massive build out in downtown Disney. But it does seem like the one thing they got right is the DVC tower. But once again, that was announced back under Bobby Iger when that checkbook was writing checks. The summer was definitely very interesting to me. I started to feel the crisis when there was no theme at my beloved Disneyland and the new toys we got already felt like those new toys were broken. Which brings me to current day. Here we're at a moment where Halloween is not even here, according to what I'm recording this. But Christmas is already beating down the door. And I understand you have to take time to put all these things together. You, you can't just make that Christmas pop up happen overnight. But it feels like I'm constantly getting pushed to the next thing. And let me explain why. Halloween this year at Disneyland, there was less of a budget. It just didn't feel as Halloween as it has in years past. They did some of the, the rituals that they do, but I could also just tell that there were things missing here and there. And also ironically, when Halloween came, because Halloween is such a spender, they started to pull out all the Disney 100 stuff. So Halloween's not here, but Christmas has already shown up and the anniversary that we had to celebrate in January, but didn't really do anything for the summer gets us to a moment where on once again, October 16th, that's the 100 celebration. That's when Walt and Roy kicked off this whole big dream that has changed so many creative people's lives and careers, changed so many families, memories, the way they spend money, movies they've enjoyed, trips they've gone on. This company over 100 years has changed 100 million people's lives or more. And on the day that it all kicked off, nearly all the decorations were removed and they didn't do anything other than get ready for the next big cash grab. I feel like this year at Disneyland, a lot of it has just been going through the motions. I feel like one thing pushes you right into the next, and then it's almost hard to embrace and celebrate the 100th because what was it really about? Buntings? Coins that you couldn't really see? Ton of merchandise? I appreciate the shows. The shows were great. One of them did focus on the 100. The other one was designed to be a little bit more evergreen. Glad they threw Walt in it. We got a new land. Already talked about that. But it just felt weird to see nothing really happen on the anniversary itself. And the fact that one holiday doesn't really get celebrated because you're always pushing the next one. I just ask, where is the celebration at the happiest place on earth? Because one thing that I have noticed this year, which is my biggest, biggest complaint, and I don't see this when I go out to the East Coast. And don't worry, I don't like Walt Disney World more than Disneyland. Disneyland is my heart. Walt Disney World is where I vacation. 
But on top of feeling like all of the holidays so far this year have been scaled back and not really acknowledged, I also go to the park a lot and there's been a new trend this year where I feel like cast members yell at fans or customers a lot. Like, I feel like I hear a lot of yelling, go this way, do this, can't stand here, can't do this, can't do that. And so not only do I feel like I'm being rushed through the calendar year, but I also feel like I'm being rushed through the park. So if you ask me how I think this year has gone so far, are we back to the good times that we never knew were the good times in 2019? I don't know. The fans are there. The fans are showing up. The community's strong. You see people having good times. You see families there. You see new friends, old friends, people experiencing it for the first time. Communities like Club 1313, where strangers become friends to the commonality of Disneyland. Like the community's there. They're doing their thing. But it kind of feels like Disneyland itself is on this autopilot. While they're kind of trying to figure out how to get the company out of this disaster, just kind of putting the theme parks on cruise control while flirting. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. $60 billion is coming. Big projects are coming. But I start to wonder with the way things are being ran and with the announcements they've made on the forecast and with Destination D and D23 being non-announcement events is there something bigger happening is there some sort of spreadsheet management that is trying to make the theme parks look as attractive as possible in one direction or the other are they earning a lot are they saving a lot are they growing a lot i'm not really sure how the numbers are being skewed but i have this feeling that they are being skewed because something is going to break over at disney And by something that's going to break, I mean the company. I feel like any day now there could be an announcement that major parts of the company are going to go in different directions. And I have to wonder, are the theme parks, is my beloved Disneyland caught in a bizarre year mathematically so that it looks a little bit more attractive one way or the other to a corporation called Apple? That's my thoughts. Have I had fun at the park this year? You bet your ass I have. Have I had some good times and memories? Absolutely. But a lot like when I went to Walt Disney World and there was no 50th, and when the 100th was flat, has it been more on the shoulders of me and my friends to make the good times? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely on our shoulders because I don't feel as if the parks are fully living up to their promises they make to us, to the celebrations they offer. Oh, don't worry. They're making the merch. But what are they really doing to celebrate the community? Because if you ask me how the community's been at Disneyland so far this year, according to me, I'll tell you, it's been at an all-time high. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I enjoy you showing up and being a part of this. Not making any promises other than I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to see your support. That helps me justify putting these back together. I love working hard. I love doing this and I'd love doing it for you. I just need to know that you are out there. Today's episode was made possible by my friends over on YouTube to watch me live. Thank you so much to JT Kell 
Jesse Adventure, my friend Federalist, Chris Murray, along with AS and TM, Carrie Robinson, Rich O, and my man, JT Kell, a second time? How did you get in there twice? Thank you so much for supporting today's episode of Disneyland for Designers. I appreciate all the support and I appreciate you for showing up and listening. Don't forget to get bonus content. Become a member of Club 1313 at club1313.com where you can watch how today's episode was recorded. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had as much fun as I did. What do you say? Let's get back here and we'll try to do this again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that the memories you've made will bring you back again soon.